Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And just like that, we're back. Late Kick Extra, first edition of two coming to you this week. I'm Josh Pate. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. We're at 897 five-star reviews as I begin to open my mouth this morning. So I know there are three of you out there, and really what we want is 103 of you because we're trying to get to 1,000, but at least three of you out there can push us over 900 by the end of the day. And what I'm talking about, by the way, in case I've misspoken, just want those five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. For the rest of you who don't listen in Apple Podcasts, ignore the last 15 seconds of your life. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. I've explained why we emphasize that. It's not favoritism. It's just happenstance. What this is, is a two times a week mailbag format. It's Q&A. JoshPate706 at gmail.com is one place. You can submit your questions or you can go on Twitter at LateKickJosh and you can drop me a DM. I strongly encourage you to follow me on Twitter any time of year, but especially this time of year because there's a whole lot going on at LateKickJosh. So this morning I've got about 493 questions, I would say, sitting in front of me. Could round up 500, but why do that when we can be exact? And a lot of them are about coaching and coaching searches and firings and hirings. You can imagine what it looks like. So I was going to do today a little snowball theory, and that's where I roll as many questions into little mini snowballs as I can, and I just kind of answer them in the aggregate. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer a question. I'm just going to make up a name, and that name, like Tony, for example, is going to represent everyone who asked an Auburn question or a Michigan question. So that's how we'll do it today. Now, let me give you just a little heads up, friendly reminder. We haven't talked in a year about this. So just a reminder how to handle coaching searches. I know a lot of times it's very popular that you hear people and see people say, well, this is changing by the hour. Well, that's not always true. That's not always true at all. What could be changing is the rumors that you're hearing are different by the hour. But the reality sometimes is things go uh, 24, 48 hours on end without changing. But this is Twitter season, man. This is subscription season. And so be very careful about folks out there who are really looking to make a name for themselves. And sometimes what you kind of see people doing is they hope they just guess right. And then if they nail it, you don't know they guessed. You just know that they got it right. So if if they call for Coach X to be hired on Tuesday and then Coach X is announced on Friday, well, what's the narrative three years down the road? The narrative is, remember, I knew 72 hours ahead of time he was going to be hired. No, you didn't. You guessed 72 hours ahead of time. And It turned out you were right, but if Coach X himself didn't know on Tuesday, truth be told, there's no way you could have known. So just there are a lot of people out there, a lot of them, that are going to, um, you know, peddle a new update every hour, and that's fine as long as they're telling you what is actually happening or what they're actually hearing. I, I told you yesterday one thing, one update. I was seeing a lot of stuff circulating about uh, Kevin Steele at Auburn. 
Kevin Steele is the well, he's the current interim head coach. He's been the defensive coordinator down there for a little while. You know what? I guess we can I guess we can get the Auburn question started here. So Tony, Tony's our fictitious Auburn representative this morning. Tony asks, Hey man, what's up with Auburn? Love the show, by the way, Josh. You're a true inspiration. And I thank the good Lord every day that he put you on this earth. Well, Tony, I appreciate that. Thank you. That, by the way, is our fictitious listener, Tony, the Auburn representative. What's going on with Auburn? A coaching search, in short, is going on at Auburn. What's going on as you stretch it out a little bit? Oh, well, there's a fair amount going on. If you'll remember, it's been a few days now, but when Gus Malzahn was fired at Auburn, I was told about a week beforehand, if they make a move, it means they already have their guy lined up. That's what I was told. Sometimes what you're told is true. Sometimes what you're told is false. Or sometimes what you're told is accurate at the moment and then things change. So I have no doubt, because I know who I spoke to about it, I have no doubt that last Monday, I guess it would have been? Yeah, about a week ago. So last Monday or Tuesday, when I was told that, I don't doubt that that was the word around Auburn, that if they make a move, it's going to mean they have their guy. And think about that. That makes all the sense in the world. Why would you not make a move unless you have your guy? Texas just publicly went after their guy before firing their current head coach, couldn't get him, and then told the current head coach, all right, we couldn't get your replacement. You're good. Go go coach another year. Get out of here. Go coach another year. This isn't a soap kitchen. Get out of here. And so now you've got Malzahn out. So when he's out, my mind reverts back to, let's see, what did they tell me Monday or Tuesday? Oh, they said, well, if he's gone, they've already got the replacement. Okay, so I said that. And now, if you ask me the same question, I don't think that that is the case. It may have been the case, but I don't think it is the case. What it seems like, and again, uh, I'm not updating you every hour on this because truth, truthfully, there's not an update to be had every hour. What it seems to be is that a few more people have gotten involved that maybe weren't thought to have been a threat to be involved. I hope that makes sense because I have to be vague about it because partially I don't really know what that means myself. You get told what you get told. I think there are a few more people at the table than it initially looked like there would have been. Looked like a couple of folks were going to handle this. It was done. We're good. So now you've got Alan Green, who's the athletic director down there. You've got Jay Gouge, who's the president. You've got, obviously, board of trustee members, boosters. You've got a lot of people involved to varying degrees. Don't always assume every coaching search is running the way that you would expect it to run. And so you got a search firm hired out of Atlanta. I saw yesterday, and this is what I was talking about when I said I spoke up, I saw yesterday there were widely, widely spread reports that Kevin Steele, man, this is done. This is all but done. Well, no, it wasn't. No, it certainly wasn't. And that that remains, even if Kevin Steele ends up getting this job. Kevin Steele was not a lock for this job or the leader in the clubhouse yesterday. He certainly was not from people close to that situation. He was not. And so Kevin Steele may end up being the guy. Now, here's the question from the Auburn perspective, from the Auburn fans' perspective. Uh, what are we talking about? That's the question from the Auburn fans' perspective. Even if you didn't like Gus Malzahn, even if you supported him being removed, uh, Kevin Steele, what, 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 wait, what are we talking about here? Kevin Steele, because see, the, the thing I always go back to in a coaching search or a hypothetical coaching search when we're talking about whether we should have one or not, Well, you know my talking point. I've said it a million times this fall already. I don't mind if you do it as long as you have a definitive upgrade ready. As long as you got one ready, 
then make your move, whatever. You should always be looking to upgrade. Well, even some of you who supported Gus Malzahn being fired, look at Kevin Steele and say, why didn't we just keep Malzahn around? That's not a definitive upgrade. Kevin Steele had a head coaching experience at Baylor that was very bad record-wise. Otherwise, he's been a phenomenal coordinator for us. I mean, truth be told, Auburn's won defensively. (laughs) When they've won, it's been because of defense far more often than not in the latter years of the Malzahn tenure. But 9-36, and that would happen to be Kevin Steele's college football head coaching record. Do we view that as a definitive upgrade from Gus Malzahn? I don't think anyone in their right mind does. So your question remains, what are we doing? If that's the answer, if that's where we're going, what are we doing? Why did we not only fire Malzahn, but we're paying him, what, $21 million? What? 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 And so I understand the frustration there. Now you've also got the Mario Cristobal card on the table. Who knows how that shakes out? I think there are still a few irons in the fire here. I think there may be one or two names that they are looking to speak to that, to my knowledge, I have not seen mentioned, which is normally the case. And a lot of times you'll never even know that they spoke to him. Now, if I have information regarding that after this is all over, I'll let you know uh, this is not the time. However, and that's only because Auburn is paying me so many millions of dollars to keep quiet, obviously. And it's an honor to work this coaching search for Auburn. You understand, Tony. And so point two, I noticed that a lot of you always assume there's this grandmaster plan at work. And the best run coaching searches are like that. Don't always assume they're well run. Now, I'm not, I'm not even speaking about the Auburn coaching search. I'm just speaking in general right now. And maybe it could apply to the Auburn coaching search. A lot of times there are 15 different people moving in 15 different directions. A lot of times there's obviously a vacuum of power and influence and and people who think they have theirs want to wield it in this moment. You don't go through coaching searches very often. Think about it. You don't. It's a it's a once every 8 to 12 year on average type of thing, maybe longer. I don't know what the average would be. That's a good question. Some places fire coaches like new candy they put out in the receptions desk. Other places, things are much more stable. But when this happens, you may have a search firm involved. Like I said, the athletic director may want this. uh, A booster may want that. You may have people holding their donor checks hostage in exchange for maybe having a say at the table. And that's not all that uncommon. It's why you end up with some ridiculous contracts and some ridiculous buyouts and some ridiculous staff demands, all sorts of different things. And to be honest, let's not be overly critical because I want you to think about something for a second. Now, there may be some of you, in fact, I know there are a few of you because I've spoken to you in the listening and or viewing audience for Late Kick that are blessed enough to be able to be a part of that club, to be able to be a part of the club where you have enjoyed such immense financial success in life that you can afford to give seven figures per year to your chosen university. When you do that, you get some say. You know how that works more than any of the rest of us do. I hope to be one of those people one day. Or maybe we'll just start our own university here. You know, I've been thinking about this. I'm going to get sidetracked. I know I am, but I'm going to go down this road. I've been thinking about creating our own theoretical team, our own imaginary team here. I've got a tentative name in mind. I got a tentative name. But when we get to the end of the season, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to crowdsource it. I'm going to see if your ideas are better than mine. But we need our own team. I don't know what conference we're going to be in, but we need one. And then we can have our own donors. And instead of giving money to an athletic department that lights it on fire, you just give it to this institution. And I'm 
pounding my chest as I say this institution. You give it to this institution, and I can assure you it'll be money well spent because we won't spend a dime hiring a coach. We'll just be self-run. We'll be self-made. So anyway, all right, we're backtracking. Put it in reverse. Go back up the road. Where was I? Ah, yes. Good job there. Okay, so there are a lot of people who want to say, and here's the big, big problem, sometimes the overarching problem in college football hiring. Let's say Bob over here is a multimillionaire and he runs several tire dealerships across the Southeast. And then let's say Jim over here owns a number of seafood establishments all along the Gulf Coast. And then let's say Teddy's a big time banker from New York, but they all went to your school. And they're all obviously very well off financially. They probably played high school football, not much past that, but here's the problem. They've all had big success in other ventures in life, so therefore they view themselves as experts on football too, because they're passionate about football. This is a big problem. It's a, it's a catch-22, because you need their money. You would rather do without their say-so and input when it comes to football-related matters, but oftentimes you're not getting one without the other. So before you just criticize some of these hires that are made sometimes, think about the bind. Think about the corner that some decision makers have to be backed into. Because if Ted and Jimmy and Bob, they walk in and they say, hey, combined, our donor checks probably make up about half of what it's going to take to end up hiring this guy, maybe more. We want to interview so-and-so because we really like the way he carries himself. You know, that old football metric, way he carries himself. That equals, I don't know how many wins per year on average per 100 season simulations. This can get really messy is the point. And so that's how sometimes you end up with weird names involved. It's sometimes how you end up with a coach at a podium doing an introductory press conference. And maybe you and I look around from a pure football standpoint and say, that's the best they could do. But see, what you don't know is maybe he's been working Bill and Joe and Teddy behind the scenes for two and a half years and greasing the palms, not in terms of nefarious means, but just slapping the back, going on the fishing trips, putting in the time. And they want their friend installed as head coach. It's only natural. Just so happens that there are tens of millions of you out there that are going to have to live with that decision that couldn't afford to have skin in the game. And you get to watch it on Saturday as things go down in flames. But it's okay because at least it's their buddy leading the football team down in flames. Now, again, I'm not talking about Auburn there. I'm talking about in a very general sense, just understand sometimes why things are happening the way they are. The third part here that a lot of you have asked about is, what do you think Malzahn will do? So I've heard a couple of different things. I've heard always the TV option is on the table. Gus Malzahn, as prickly as he may come off to you if you don't know him, when he's gotten in a TV setting, he's been really good. And Malzahn, when he's not involved in football, when he's not a current head coach, I think you'd see a little bit different side of him. I've seen this before. I've seen him in an off-the-record setting. Totally different dude. Uh, he has his guard up when he's on the record, when the red light is on, when he's on the field at a press conference, whatever, for obvious reasons. He's just kind of, he's one of those coaches who is paranoid. If you've ever seen him during a game, he'll always put his hand over his mouth when he's talking, even if he's about like a banana nut bread recipe. He will always have his hand over his mouth. He's paranoid. But if he doesn't have anything to defend, maybe he's not as paranoid and you get him in a, you know, one of those analyst settings like Gene Chizik is doing right now, he'd be really good. Could do that. That offer is always going to be on the table for him. He could just take a year off, period. I don't know if you heard, but in the next 30 days, he'll have about $10, $10.5 million hit his bank account, and he's already doing good. 
I had some friends who are from Columbus who still work in the Columbus, Georgia news market who were over at Auburn, which is about 30 minutes away. We used to cover them all the time. And they were over there Sunday night doing their live shot. And Malzahn pulled up to clean out his office. And some of you saw that video. I retweeted the video. And some of you noticed, uh, is he driving an F-150? Yeah, he is. That's how Malzahn rolls, literally. He, he does not live an overly extravagant life down there. And so, um, I mean, that's Gus Malzahn. So you can, you can rest assured, he has done the Kevin Garnett deal. He has saved a lot of his money. Now, he may be saving it to buy a private island somewhere. I don't know, but he's, he's doing okay. So he could just take a year off, go travel. I don't know. I mean, see a sunset every now and then. A, a lot of coaches don't want to do that, though. They're very scared. If they step away from the game, the game will pass them by. I mean, you would think Mac Brown has proven that wrong, but the third option here is he dives right back into coaching. And like the Texas Tech job or the Arizona job, who knows what comes open. He'll have offers. Gus Malzahn will have offers. Gus Malzahn, I don't know that some folks in Auburn want to hear this right now, but I said this the other night and I fully believe it. Gus Malzahn, I think, is one of the 20 best head coaches in America. All things equal, he's one of the 20 best in America. You could look at him right now and say, really? Okay, well, have you seen his record against Georgia and LSU and Alabama on the road? Yeah, I have. Have you seen... Uh, Lincoln Riley's record against Georgia, Alabama, and LSU on the road? No, you haven't. It's a trick question. He doesn't have to play them every year. Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal coach. My point is not to dump on Lincoln Riley. My coach, my, my point is you're not measuring these guys apples to apples. It's very disproportionate. It's very uneven what one has to go through relative to the other. And my counterpoint to that is, well, if I were to say take Malzahn and put him in the ACC or put him in the Big 12 – I certainly don't think that his record looks the same. Probably looks a little improved. Malzahn's been able to do a lot of good things in his time at Auburn. They're overshadowed because of, obviously, the record and inferiority as you see it against his rivals. Maybe he's not good as Nick Saban. Maybe he's not as good as uh, Kirby Smart or Jimbo Fisher. Maybe he's not. But you're also talking about three of the best ten in the game right now. So you could not measure up to them and still be a really solid coach. And I think that's the category I put Malzahn in. Another question many of you asked, so Tony's going to bring it to the table now. Many of you asked, what's the timetable here? I thought there would be one, but now I don't think there is one. They just want to do it as soon as possible. So it could be by the time you listen to this, I don't think there is one. And so here's what was really fascinating to me. I got told yesterday by someone very close to that coaching search that they themselves were surprised that early signing day, which is tomorrow, if you're listening on Tuesday, early signing day is tomorrow, early signing day did not seem to be an issue for them. Now, that that's one kind of out of left field because you think to yourself, all right, Auburn's season is not over. I want you to keep this in mind. Let's frame this properly. The season ends on a win, no less, and you fire Malzahn the next day. Okay, well, that's how you would do it if you were going to make a move. Uh, we don't know if they had the candidate in place. We don't know maybe if they had the candidate in place and then candidate got cold feet. Don't know. All we know is we fire Gus Malzahn day after season ends. And so then we look around and we say coaching search time. But what is the backdrop? The backdrop is coaching search time and the early signing date is coming up in like 96 hours at the time we fired Gus Malzahn. I say we because I'm now running Auburn. So we fire him. And obviously, we want to get some answers and we want to put a message out there or maybe even a coach hired and put him out there by the time the early signing date rolls around. That's what you would think. That's what I would think. That's what everyone would think. No, 
I was told yesterday, again, by someone there is every reason to trust in this, I I don't really think they care that much. The folks running this search, I don't really think they care that much about the early signing date. They'll just make the announcement when they make the announcement. Now, that has been a little bit surprising to me. I got to be honest, that's been a little bit surprising to me, but I guess it is what it is. And the people running this situation have the reasons for feeling the way they do. So that's what I have for you as of this morning on the Auburn deal. I could go for another hour and pretend to know things that I don't really know, but no, that's what I know right now. And what I know could change by the hour doesn't always mean the situation is changing by the hour. Now, this is a little off the beaten path, but I meant to answer one of these questions last week and I didn't get to it. And I was so mad that I emailed the person who sent the question back. I said, hey, send this email again Monday just to remind me. And so they did. They sent the email again Monday just to remind me. This is going to apply to every single one of you, especially those of you, well, not every single one of you, okay? Some of you are going to nod and smile when I respond to this question. Others of you, you need this information more than you could possibly know. And I'm going to give it to you right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, so Nick asks truly one of the most important questions of our time. He said, do you have any insight or advice on how to navigate a romantic relationship with a rabid fan of an arch rival team? And there's a very important word that our buddy here, Nick, included in his question, and it is rabid. We're not talking about one of those garden variety sidewalk kinds. We're talking about a rabid fan. This is a whole different rabbit hole. So Nick, you asked a question that is very layered, brother. I've been here before. It is tough. Sometimes it's an impasse. It's just impossible to navigate because the rabid nature changes everything. Here's what you want. It's okay to date folks of the opposite world. The opposite world being different college football fandom than you. Maybe they graduated from the different school than you. I grew up in Columbus, Georgia. I saw many an Iron Bowl marriages work out. I saw some others go down in absolute and total flame. I mean, can you imagine being an Auburn-Alabama couple during the Cam Newton season. I saw it. It was a nightmare. It was terrible. Divorce lawyers were having a field day in and around the greater Columbus area. But here's the key. Here's how you make it work. You can make it work if it means less to her than it does to you. 
or it means less to him than it does to you, depending on who we're talking about here. It can work, but you got to make sure that the investment emotionally is disproportionate. You got to make sure that if you are a Georgia, Florida couple and your Gators beat her Bulldogs, you just have to make sure that she's one that can let it go or vice versa. You got to make sure if your significant other's team beats you, they're not the kind that really hold it over you. They're the kind that feels more sorry for you than they do good for themselves. But here's where it really goes sideways and why my disproportionate passion theory has a hole in it. It can be good, like I just detailed. It can work out fine if she cares less than you do. But here's where it goes sideways, and here's what I've experienced before. If she cares less than you do, she has less emotion invested than you do. And so here's what she knows. She pulls for one team, you pull for the other team. Let's say you guys are going through a little rough patch, but hey, at least the college football Saturday has arrived. It's your one escape during the week. We all know that feeling. Maybe you feel it with your job. Maybe you feel it with your significant other. You just want an escape. Well, guess what? You care about it a lot more than she does. And so that is known to both parties. So let me kick you a scenario. It's been a rough week. I think a lot of you can see where this is going already. It's been a rough week. Maybe you haven't even been talking. It's been frosty at best and things you just don't know if they're going to work out. Well, here's what can happen, friends. This is the big danger. Watch out for the quicksand pit right in front of you. You're looking forward to Saturday. She couldn't care less about Saturday. And therefore, guess when she wants to do couples therapy? Guess when she wants to do relationship building? Guess when she wants to go out or spend some time with you? Saturday. And so you've got two choices. You can either forego the one out of 12 Saturdays per year that you get to circle on your calendar for stuff that you don't really want to do, or you can push back. But when you push back, here's what you know, and here's what she knows. It's all a trap, so she already knows this. Here's what she knows. She's going to look you in the eye, and she's going to say, that's our problem. Notice our problem. Therefore, the entire problem here is based on what you just said. Our problem is that you care more about college football even than you do about us. You care more about watching those stupid games than you do about me. I mean, look at me. I'm bearing the burden of giving up my Saturday. Why shouldn't you give up your Saturday? Therein lies the danger. You think that you've chosen the high road when you go the disproportionate passion route. You find someone who doesn't care about it as much as you, and you figure, oh, when I'm down, when I'm at my worst point after my team loses on a Saturday, she'll be there to comfort me. It doesn't mean as much to her as it does to me. Oh, that could work, but it could also just completely and totally destroy your life. So my advice is early on in the dating process, you got to get ahead of the curve. You've got to stack the deck in your favor. And stack the deck in your favor means, in this case, you have to plant some scenarios. You just have to. You have to do it like spring practice. You have to install some situations into your relationship wherein you two are tested. You've got to do it. Otherwise, you're going to find out. You don't want to find out if your left tackle is able of handling an edge rusher in the middle of a game in week nine. You want to find out in spring practice when there are no cameras and there are no fans in the stands and there's no national TV network there to broadcast the game. And you got to do the same with your relationship. I cannot stress this enough. This is far more important than who you root for. Okay, so to go back to Nick's question, he was asking, well, what is it like to be pulling for one team? She pulls for the other team. Can that relationship work? Oh, of course it can work. It's not about the rooting interest. It's about the passion level. 
Because the passion level is what's ultimately going to determine how various relationship crises that are not related to football are handled by weaponizing football. You would much rather be with a girl or a guy who pulls for the team you don't like than to be with a girl or a guy who pulls for the team you do like, but they're not as passionate about it as you. Because it's going to be weaponized one day. It's going to be weaponized. Don't say I didn't warn you. All right, let's uh, get... Sorry, I'm fanning myself here if you hear that in the microphone. Just got a little intense there for a second. Uh, but I hope I help someone out there. So Dan asked a question last week that I think is really interesting. I don't think anyone's asked this before. He said, is there such a thing as a goal or performance-based contract in major college football? Seems like everyone's money is guaranteed, but it really seems like there should be. At least with my limited knowledge from the outside, everything seems to be in favor of the coach with hopes, but little expectation on the side of the employer. Dan, you are right, my friend. You are absolutely right. The question that you asked has an answer. The answer is yes, but they're few and far between. And the incentives, as you would call them, that are in the contract, they're not the kind of incentives where, okay, half of your overall yearly salary is dependent on this. What you'll see is a guy make a base of, let's just say $5 million a year. Guy makes a base of $5 million, and then you'll have an incentive in there if you have a graduation rate of a certain level, you'll get an extra quarter million dollars. Or if you reach this level of a bowl game, you get an extra hundred thousand. Now, if you make, if you win the conference title, maybe it kicks in half a million. College football playoff, another million dollars. But the biggest escalators, I mean, the biggest incentives are rarely a quarter or a fifth of the overall size of your base salary. So disproportionately, you're guaranteed your money unless you get embroiled in a scandal. Now, what we're seeing at Michigan, I'm going to read a little uh, portion of a, a report from John Bacon, who's been doing pretty good work covering the Harbaugh-Michigan situation. He reported last week, and I had this I had this quote copied and pasted in here. I didn't read it because I didn't get to this question last week. Uh, Michigan athletic director up there. So the Michigan athletic director, Ward Manuel, has discussed with Jim Harbaugh a new contract with a lower base salary and buyout, though with good provisions to hire top assistants and large incentives for performance. Now, I don't know that this is going to work out or pan out the way that you hope it would at Michigan. So we'll see there, like remains to be seen. But what that that at least theorizes is they could lower Jim Harbaugh's base salary and give him the opportunity to make every bit as much, if not more money than he's making right now. But he's got to earn it, in other words, with performance on the field. Now, I think that we may be approaching an inflection point in the industry with so many universities that have been made to look just so ridiculous with these buyouts being exposed that they negotiated with the integrity and intelligence of a five-year-old kid. I mean, there are in many cases, no mitigation clauses in these contracts. What does that mean? Well, that means Will Muschamp just got fired at South Carolina. South Carolina did not have a mitigation clause in his contract. Therefore, they owe him every bit of the buyout dollars that he's owed, even if he goes and gets a new job. Even if he was hired as the head coach at Auburn tomorrow, which is not going to happen, but if he was, South Carolina would still owe him every dime. How, how do you negotiate that? And at, at what point, when that was being negotiated, did South Carolina not realize, wait, no one else is really trying to hire Will Muschamp as their head coach? He doesn't have this kind of leverage over us. Like That sounds commonsensical, right? No, apparently it's not. So to, to shorten the answer, yes, Dan, it does happen. No, it doesn't happen very frequently at the major college football level today. But I think the inflection point is 
because so many people have been trashed in the administrative world because they negotiate terrible contracts. I think the incentive, for lack of a better word, now on their end is going to be such that they need to really revise the way they go about this, revise the protocols, revise what we're willing to agree to and what we're not willing to agree to. And you know what? If guaranteed money is the backbreaker or I guess deal breaker for a candidate, maybe he's not our candidate. Maybe we want a guy. Maybe that's part of your criteria in the future. Find a candidate who will agree to a nice, sizable base salary. Don't get me wrong. But the top quarter of that salary being dependent maybe on incentive bonuses instead of guaranteed salary. So give a guy, you know, it's like in sales, you got a lower base and your commission, there's no cap on it. So lower base salary, higher commission, no cap. That's what you're talking about. But the market dictates all this. And you know that as well as I do. This is not a vacuum. There's not just one job open. A lot of times there are many jobs open. So, and, and really the guy that you're negotiating with already has a job. So sometimes you're negotiating against his current employer and maybe they'll do anything it takes to keep him. Well, that's what throws the market into a tailspin. When there's one entity out there that's willing to give up guaranteed money, all of a sudden the rest of you can't do what you're talking about doing. That's the problem. That's where that's wherein lies the problem a lot of times. All right, we got Late Kick Live coming up tonight. We have got full conference championship previews and breakdowns. Tomorrow is early signing day, tomorrow being Wednesday, early signing day. We are going to be on air for eight hours straight. And you may think, oh, well, what about lunch? There is no lunch. Oh, I mean, what about a break? There is no break. You heard me right. We're going to be on air for eight hours. I have no clue if I'll have a voice Thursday. If I do, I plan on bringing you another Late Kick Extra podcast. I also plan on doing Late Kick Live that night. Again, these are very tentative. Write those in pencil. Those are not promises written in pen. I need to be able to erase those. So hopefully we will speak again Thursday, but at the very least we'll speak tonight on Late Kick Live. We've had a great week of traffic on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, really a great month. We've shattered all of our previous numbers. So make sure you are subscribed over there. Again, it's 24-7 Sports. And make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh. And make sure you've given us a five-star review. We want to get to 1,000 before the end of the year. And, oh boy, that's actually really close. We need, a, we need a soup can drive or something like that. Oh, we'll put something together. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Late Kick Extra podcast. For producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great day and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.